it's time to immerse yourself in the world of college football. ESPN 1000 has studied hard and has all the answers. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show. With Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. Advanced degrees not required. Understanding the Wildcat? Essential. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up and welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. John the Hood with you for week three of the college football season. We want to hear your thoughts on some of the storylines around college football. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. We're with you until 1230 as we build a bridge to Fighting Irish Footballs. They take on South Florida, a 12.30 pregame and a 1.30 kick right here on the home of the Irish, ESPN 1000. Well, here we are, Adam. The Big Ten's back, and it's going to be trouble. The <laughs> Big Ten is back <laughs> in the mix as the schedule slowly trickled out today. Illinois fans, uh, Northwestern fans, Ohio State fans, if you are a Big Ten fan and you got a chance to take a look at the schedule that came out this morning, we want to get your reaction to it at 312-332-ESPN. But we've been looking for some good news for the college football season, and so the Big Ten in the fray. Yeah, they're going to try to sneak in uh, nine games here. You know, they've got eight games and then that Champions Week where number one will play number one, uh, number two will play number two, and so on from East and West, I see six Illinois wins. But anyway, uh, when you look at the schedule, Jonathan, you, wow. you oh, look at no, he slipped right. right right in there. Wow. He slipped okay. right in there. You, you look right. at this. You right. look at this schedule, Jonathan, and it, it's it's a there's there's no. I would say there's little margin for error. There's no margin for error. You have to play eight games, a championship game, and then the final college football ranking comes out. And the main reason why Ryan Day and Ohio State were so vocal is because they are a legitimate title contender and they wanted to get a season in because they want to win a national championship they have one of the best if not the best uh, quarterback in college football justin fields and they want to take advantage of the talent that they have and try to win a championship for that school and i don't blame them and look they waited until they had proper um protocols and they could do daily testing and they could do all and they could do antigen testing so you you know find traces of the virus before you even become contagious and they can do all that stuff and you know Props to them, but I think that they they might have waited a little bit too long because you see with the ACC, with the Big 12, with the SEC coming back next week, they left themselves weeks in holes in the schedule for makeup games, for postponements. With this schedule, it's great. It's a great day for Big Ten fans. Your, your, your season starts in a month here. But ultimately, it's it's going to be quite the rush to get all these games in. Yeah, and when you say there's no margin for error, what this really means is look at what happened today with Houston and Baylor. That game was canceled or postponed because of COVID-19 protocols and Baylor not having enough players to play today. So that game being bumped back, they're hoping to get that in at some point in the future. So when you, you mentioned that, Abdal, that... There is no margin for error. That's because the Big Ten has now started this schedule and things will kick off October 24th. They are expecting to have all the season games for the Big Ten to be done December the 12th, Champions Week the 19th, 
than being a part of the college football playoff. That's what this is all about, is they are hoping if they can get this 8-plus-1 schedule done, that they can be a part of the college football playoff, which will be a whole nother conversation that we can kind of attack. Mm-hmm. If you're a Big Ten fan, do you think you have the eligibility now with nine games when you look at what the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are going to play this fall? Do you have enough games under your belt to make the argument that you should be a part of the college football playoff? Jonathan Adam and Chris on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The reason why, and I want to say something uh, going back to last week's show, yeah. that it might have been a little bit overstated. When I said that, when I we're asking Big Ten fans, do you believe that Kevin Warren pulled the trigger a little too soon? It's actually simplifying it too much. It was the college presidents in the Big Ten that decided that they weren't going to play, and now they're back in the mix. And so here they are. And my skepticism for this, guys, is always, okay, so you're going to start on October 24th. It's a rush. There are no bye weeks. There are no gimmies. And so it's different. I will say say this, that I look at this schedule, and for those that have not heard this, Illinois fans, you start off with Wisconsin on October 24th, followed by Purdue, Minnesota, Rutgers, uh, Nebraska, Ohio State, as well as Iowa, and then finishing up on December 12th against Northwestern. I, I still think, even though, Adam, it was uh, some, some positives for Illinois, especially their win against Wisconsin last year, it's still a, a program in progress, really, when you take a look at it. Well, starting off, with Wisconsin's tough. Purdue's down. Roll your boats very good with Minnesota on November mm-hmm. 4th, 7th into the Rutgers game, which is winnable on November 14th. I see at least two and two there in the, to start their first four games. Yeah, and I think, you know, I said six wins tongue-in-cheek, but ultimately, you know, you look at this schedule, Ohio State's tough, Iowa's tough, uh, they'll beat Rutgers, Nebraska's tough. But you're right, two and two in those first four games – they may only win one more after that when you face uh, Northwestern on the road in uh, up in Evanston. So that's a that's a tough schedule for Illinois having to get Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa. How many wins do you see for Northwestern? Go Cats! Whew, that's a they, they should be able to beat Maryland. Iowa's tough. Nebraska's tough. They should beat Purdue and then ooh, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Minnesota. So what? Two wins. If you're going to get Michigan State, get them now. Yeah, with that's new head true. coach, let's get yeah. them now. So, so to me, that's not that's not a, a a gimme victory for Michigan State like it was in previous years, Chris. You know, two things to point out for Illinois is that Minnesota and Iowa both in the top twenty-five into the preseason rankings before we got into last week and eliminated all the Big Big Ten teams from the top twenty-five. Right, so. You know, Illinois does have a somewhat difficult schedule with Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio State, and Iowa all there. Those are four pretty tough games. Now, but we did see last year from the Fighting Illini, they were able to beat Wisconsin, right? So do they have it in them to get to seven wins? Is that possible on this schedule? And when you're looking at that side of the conference, Minnesota is the team that has the opportunity. Week one against Michigan. The 24th, that is a huge game because Minnesota and what P.J. Fleck is doing with that program, if they can beat Michigan there, they have a legitimate shot to be out of that side of the conference to get to that championship game. And and like that's where I'm kind of looking at it because I think Wisconsin has a tough schedule as well. It's Wisconsin and Minnesota. That's who's going to lead that side of the conference compared to what we have on the other side, which is like a death match. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State all together – 
and, and trying to figure out who the best team is there. And I think we all agree that is Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see a loss on Ohio State's schedule. I mean, you get Penn State on the road, but, you know, it's not the same. There's no fans in any Big Ten stadium. This right. isn't like a, oh, well, this governor allows it in this state and this governor allows who, in this state. Who hurts the most because of that? Penn State. I, I think it's Penn State. Yeah. For sure. It's definitely right? Penn State because that would be normally Ohio State, Penn State on the road. You think night game. You think oh, a yeah. whiteout. You yeah. think like that's a dangerous atmosphere College to go game in. College game would be there. Yes, Absolutely. The whole deal. But now with no fans at any Big Ten stadium because those are the Big Ten guidelines – that home field advantage kind of goes out the window. That still might be a marquee matchup, like a primetime matchup, but it doesn't have the same luster of 100,000 people, you know, screaming their heads off for the entire game. And that's a dangerous place to go in and play at night. So is Minnesota's. This has been the same way as of late since PJ Fleck has took over. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT. Again, it's ESPN1000CCT for Chicago's College Tailgate here on ESPN1000. So, Chris, Adam brought this point up, and Mm -hmm. it's a salient point because through the landscape of college football, small conference, big conference, there's always this question or wondering whether or not games will be canceled. We have canceled games today because of COVID-19 testing, right? And Adam said, what if, right? And it's, it's a thing. It's something that we're rooting for as college football fans, but what if? What if you have a situation like Ohio State takes on Penn State and there's an issue with testing and you have to cancel that game? There are no makeups here. As we go through from October 24th through yeah. December 12th, there are no makeups. This is a tight schedule with no bye weeks. Hmm. If there is a cancellation, how does the committee look at one of the best Big Ten teams when it comes to the championship games? I think what we will end up seeing is that if that takes place with one of these teams who has a chance to get into the college football playoff, think they're going to be left out and I think the reason they will be left out is because at most then they would have eight games assuming that it doesn't happen twice right so if you only play eight games to the 10 of the SEC or what you're seeing around college football with Notre Dame and Clemson I think what will end up happening at the end of the day will be this is a strange year 2020 is not normal and there's a big 10 champion and that champion won the, the conference with seven games, and that's all they played. But unfortunately, they're not going to be a part of the college football playoff because they didn't play enough of a schedule. And I, I think for people to argue against it, I know I was watching college uh, game day earlier today, and I heard Desmond Howard and Kurt Herbstreit talk about how that would be enough of a picture for the committee to make a decision. Yeah, except for the fact that you're only playing conference games And we know how this works. College football is not predictable. And Mm -hmm. each and every week is a playoff to get into the college football playoff. And some of the best college football games are when that team that you don't expect anything from jumps up and gets and bites one of those big dogs in college football. And I feel as if that's where you have to look at any canceled conference game as, okay, Sorry, you didn't ha- you didn't make you didn't play enough games in time to get in into the college football playoff because we don't know what could happen. Could Purdue beat Ohio State? Right? Can Maryland upset Michigan? Right? Those are things that we see throughout a college football season that makes college football so much excite so exciting and so much fun to follow. So I don't think that you can get into the playoff if you only play 8 games. If you don't get through the entire schedule that they've laid out here. I agree with you. 100%, but I will play the role of Adam Herbdala, or Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Abdallah Street, if you will, whichever one you want to go with. 
When you look at can Ohio we, can State, can we go with neither? Okay, Jonathan. Can when we you go look with, at Ohio can we State, go pass on that one. And they've be, like, <laughs> let's say this happens against Rutgers or against Maryland. Yes. Like we know Ohio State was going to run it up on Rutgers and Maryland. Mm-hmm. Like we know that. Yeah. So if it's one of those games, we know the outcome. Now, if you miss Penn State, if you miss the Michigan game, see, I do. I disagree. Have, How no, do you no, know the I'm, outcome? I'm just saying that this is what people will say. People will say, "Look at undefeated Ohio State." Yeah, they didn't yeah, play Nebraska. Wouldn't or, you yeah, make that same play. argument last year for Wisconsin traveling to Champaign against Illinois? Of course. How'd that work out for them? They lost. Bucky, I get Bucky that. thought that they were going to be a part of the college football playoff last year. I they also, had things moving in the right direction. So what's your they point? They got Adam? upset on the road. My point is that you will have people. I agree with you. I don't think they should be allowed in because you've got the ACC is playing eleven games. The SEC is playing ten games. Like those, th- those schedules are set. The Big Twelve is playing eleven games plus a championship game. That's not included. That's twelve and then eleven games with the championship game. So to me, if you miss a game. You shouldn't be allowed in just based on the percentage of games you've played because you've got teams that are playing almost double the number of games you're playing. But there will be people, there will be uh, talking heads that will say, and there will be probably people in that committee that will say, we know Ohio's, we know who Ohio State is. We know that they're one of the best teams in the country. Let them in. Like, that is going to happen. Whether it's right or wrong, it's going to happen. Well, it's not. Well, I'll tell you what. It's, it's not right, and, and here's why it's not right. It's not like you have to have Ohio State in a, in a big-time game because of money or because of fans or because they bring their fans in because there are no bowl games here. So it's not about attraction to me. It's just about the best teams and the, those that busted their butts to be able to get here. It got to the point where it got so late Thank goodness this happened on October 24th. I was just going to rule the Big Ten out, period. Like, you just can't be part of this, right? Come on in, Sun Belt. I mean, if that's what you want to do. I mean, seriously, because of how late in the game the Big Ten are to this party. So, to me, it's, it, if Ohio State's not part of the four because of COVID-19, then you're just out. I mean, you waited all this time, and it's October 24th. You don't have more dates to put on to make sure that you get your extra victory. Sorry, it just doesn't work that way. So, the Big Ten is in... But what about the Pac-12? Are they coming? Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the all-new ESPN Chicago Roll Tide. Immerse yourself in the world of college football. Now, back to more. ESPN 1000 Chicago College Tailgate Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. 1000. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN 1000 CCT. Chris, you can also follow on our Twitch channel as well. Find us on Twitch. Watch the show at ESPN 1000 Chicago. The Twitch chat is active. Talking some college football this morning. What's up to all the Twitchers out there? Pac-12 is the one that's just lingering out of the Power Five. Will they get in the mix? Here's Heather Dinich with more. Possibly, as he said, the timetable is out of their hands until they get that local approval from public health officials where those four California schools are and two Oregon schools. How quickly that happens will determine their return. Now, the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors are meeting on Friday, where I'm sure all of this will be discussed. But then beyond that, their timetable also includes the testing that they got. The new daily testing will be on each campus by the end 
end of this month. Following that, there's a short time period they need to training everyone how to use those tests and know the testing protocol. And then they determine, you heard Larry say, they want ideally six weeks to train to properly play a football game. The Big Ten has condensed that, as you know. Their doctors and physicians yesterday said, we're okay with that. We'll see if the Pac-12 might change its mind. And as Larry Scott said yesterday, push the envelope to get back faster. What do you think of your commissioner, uh, Larry Scott, of the Big of the Pac-12? as you're a USC fan. Well, you know, we we talk all the time in professional sports about who's the worst commissioner in sports, and we look at Bettman, we look at Manfred, and we try and figure that out. We don't talk as openly about commissioners of conferences and who the worst is uh, as far as uh, when we look at that. And uh, Larry Sky is by far the absolute worst. And what he has set up here for the Pac-12, now, a couple things. What Heather Dinich was talking about there. This week, there was some good news with state and local authorities in California and Oregon saying they are willing to ease the COVID-19 related restrictions, which then would allow the six teams in the Pac-12 that are in those uh, different states to resume their football season. So that is good news. Now, as far as Larry Scott, commissioner of the Pac-12 and what they have, um, the one thing that I would look at is the San Jose Mercury News reported that there are sources indicating that the Pac-12 is trying to target October 31st to the start of the college football season. Now, Scott declined that report, but the question would then go back to, is that too late? If they start on October 31st, does that give the Pac-12 enough time to get enough games in before the date of December the 20th when the college football playoff committee will release the four teams that will be in the playoff? Will that give them enough time? And I think that's where, going back to the Larry Scott conversation, is he only, like, listen, I get it. All these decisions, Kevin Warren, Larry Scott, all the decisions are based on medical information and, and how they are going to proceed going forward. But it seemed as if in the moment that when the Big Ten made their decision to postpone, the Pac-12 was just going along for the ride. And now they've put themselves in a position where they are behind everyone else and they are not ready when they could have been up to speed, could have been setting in a, a direction where they could be playing football and now they may be on the outside looking in as far as the college football playoffs because they won't have enough games to be able to play. Yeah, it's one thing to deal with COVID, but maybe by that time the wildfires will be taken care of. Yeah, that's the problem is that the air quality, you've seen baseball games being canceled. You know, like I know the Seahawks are going to play out there this weekend, but the air quality out west has been so poor that teams aren't even practicing. Talk about the air quality here. I mean, on Thursday I was golfing, and, and when you looked west, you could see the haze, yeah. and when you would look east, the skies are blue. Like you, you could see it here in Chicago. You can see the difference in air quality. So, I mean, these are all things, and, and Abdallah, you're right on this, is like the wildfires and where you can play the air quality. There's a lot of schools in the upper northwest that are going to be affected by this, and you would just like them to be already practicing, testing for COVID-19, and getting these players ready to play in case they can say, okay, you can go. And then they're ready to go, just like the Big Ten, which shortened the amount of time it takes to get ready. There are so many non-Power 5 commissioners that do a much better job than Scott does in the Pac-12. Well, I mean, So unfortunate. There's so many different things to look at. I know here in the Midwest, maybe people are not paying attention to, but he basically said, we're going to make our, our epicenter of the Pac-12 in San Francisco. They bought all this office space in downtown San Francisco, which we know is one of the highest paying rent districts in the entire country, like outside Manhattan. 
and that that office is empty now. The Pac-12 network is terrible. It's not carried on many providers, and then on top of it, they're not doing well compared to the Big Ten, which is crushing it, right? So, like, there are so many things that Larry Sky has done that has just left a lot of people desiring more from their commissioner. The 11 o'clock kicks are getting underway in college football. Also, keep our eyes on Clemson. Do you take Clemson? Or the field for this season. We talk to a Clemson insider next on CCT. More college football talk is right around the corner. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Go Tigers. From State Street and the First Midwest Bank Studio, this is WMVP Chicago. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Need to get schooled on the latest in the world of college football? ESPN 1000 Chicago College Tailgate Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app with Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah. Jonathan Hood with you. We're here every Saturday before Notre Dame football. We're building a bridge to Notre Dame football as they take on South Florida. A 12-30 pregame, a 1-30 kick right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000 as the Irish try to go 2-0 here on the season after defeating Duke and trying to get it done against the Bulls this afternoon. So the big question is... For the national championship, do you take Clemson or the field? How good is Clemson going to be versus the other competition? Adam, as a, uh, a resident of Alabama fan, Clemson or the field? I think given a chance to take the field, I always take the field. Because whether oh, it's, whether it's Alabama, yeah. Ohio State. No, especially if the roll tide's on that field, you'll take that Whether field. it's Alabama or Ohio State or <laughs> maybe another SEC team or Notre Dame or who knows. Who knows who it's going to be? A Pac-12 team? Huh? Huh? Uh, huh? Well, huh? Cincinnati? Huh? All right. All right. That's <laughs> enough of that. We, we turn, I'll take the field. We go to front of the program. Back to, with our show again this year from the Clemson Insider. Will Vandervoort is with us here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Will, it's Jonathan, Adam, and Chris. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, I want to get your thoughts as Clemson gets ready to take on the Citadel this afternoon at 3 o'clock uh, Central Time on the ACC Network. Well, what's the overall thoughts on Clemson coming into this season? What what stands out most about this year versus last? Well, non-COVID and everything else, mm-hmm. I, I think we, yeah, I think the main thing you look at is the um, the talent and the depth of this football team. Um, you know, they're that, that like anybody else, they lost starters last year off that team that went to the national championship game, and um, you know, and and there's question marks, but. When you consider the fact Clemson, you know, played an average of like 78 players a year last year, and you know they rotate their offense and their defensive linemen um, with almost every different possession, you know the depth is really strong, and I think it showed in their season opener last week against Wake Forest just how you know when I looked at that game in that first you know three quarters when the first team offense was in there, they just were so smooth. Um, Trevor looked really good. Um, you know, Travis Etienne and the offensive line looked well. Uh, you know, and then I think, you know, from a defensive standpoint, there was a lot of question marks. 
but they, those two freshmen came in. You know, you had Miles Murphy, that seven tackles, two sacks, three tackles for a loss in his first game as a college football player. Uh, Brian Brzee, the top overall recruit uh, from the 2020 class, comes in and gets a sack on his first play of his collegiate career, and then uh, a few plays later blocks a field goal. Um, and then, you know, it was sort of on, the route was on after that. And I just think from this team, when I, when I think about this team, I just look at their overall depth and, and just how good they are at every position and, and how there's really not much of a drop-off between their first and second-team guys. We know that Trevor Lawrence is a Heisman front-runner this season, uh, especially with Justin Fields and Ohio State at the moment not playing football. We know they're going to play a shorter schedule. But when you cover Trevor Lawrence over the course of the last two years, what is something you're looking for him to improve upon in his third season quarterbacking for Clemson? I, I think we saw some of it last week, and that's his overall accuracy. Um, not that he's not accurate to begin with, but, you know, he's completing 65.7% of his passes for his career. But you saw last week, especially with those plays that across the middle, um, finding his tight ends, which for the first time in a while, Clemson's got uh, some weapons at tight end this year, and that showed last week. And, you know, maybe hitting more on the crossing route and things of that. We, we know what he can do with the long ball. Uh, we know he can throw the long ball. He's got, he's got a tremendous arm. But how accurate is he with that? But he did miss. The one long ball that he attempted last week, he did overthrow Frank Ladson just a little bit. So I'd like to see him get a little bit better there and a little bit better, more accurate in his intermediate throws across the middle of the field. That's where Clemson struggled last year. Um, and you can see that was a point of emphasis uh, right off the bat in the Wake Forest game because they just they dominated that middle of the field. Wake Forest dared them to, to, to throw the football in the middle of the field, and Clemson did all night, and Wake Forest had no answer for him. It seems like the biggest test on the schedule this year is going to be Notre Dame. Miami might give uh, Clemson some troubles, but how does Dabo keep the team up and keep them from playing down to their competition all season? Well, you know, here's a stat a lot of people don't know. Clemson has uh, won uh, today, if they win today, and they should. It would mark their 24th consecutive uh, non-conference victory during the regular season. So, And then, of course, they've won, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember 24 in a row in the ACC. So what he does, and, and they, by the way, they're averaging I think 38 points per game, win percent, uh, winning uh, winning margin against ACC teams during that stretch. So what they're doing is they're he, he just his whole thing is it's about Clemson. As long as they don't lose to Clemson, they're going to win the game no matter what the other opponent does because they feel like you know from a talent standpoint they're just. Head and shoulders are better better than everybody else, and if they just do what they're supposed to do and execute, nobody can really beat them. And I think we've seen that for the most part. They've been really dominant um, in, in the majority of their wins. Uh, they've, they've had a couple of close calls here and there, but uh, you know, they for the most part, they have really taken care of business against teams they're supposed to beat. Will Vandervoort from the Clemson Insider with Jonathan, Adam, and Chris on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. To that point, Will, we have not spoken since uh, Notre Dame decided they want to share their Mike Tirico NBC money with the conference. So mm-hmm. so what, what, what are your thoughts about Notre Dame being part of this conference? It's something that um, a lot of fans have been looking for to for a long time, and now Notre Dame's in the fray. How does that stand out to you? Well, I think it's good. You know, I've been covering the ACC since 2004, and, you know, it's either been Florida State or Clemson, and, and occasionally you had a Virginia Tech in there, um, you know, battling for this conference championship. So it's good for the ACC to have another team in there that can come in and challenge 
some of the blue bloods of college football in the ACC, which is, you know, the four teams, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Miami. Uh, those are the traditional college football teams. And so it's good to have Notre Dame come in there as one of the blue bloods, period, in college football, to, to be a team that can contend for uh, an, an ACC championship. If you win that, you got an opportunity to play for the, in the college football playoff, obviously. And, um, and it's good for Clemson, and it's good for the conference as a whole. And, and, and guys, just to give you a, a, you know an idea, in, when Clemson goes to Notre Dame, if both teams do what they're supposed to and hold serve, that game will more than likely feature the first top ten matchup or top five matchup, excuse me, of uh, uh, two ACC teams in the month of November since 1981 when uh, Clemson and North Carolina did that. So it doesn't happen often in the ACC during that time of the year and so uh, that's, that's kind of what Notre Dame can bring to the table this year, if they can hold serve and Clemson can, and, and that really is a top-five matchup going into that, that, that game. You know, a name that I always look at when the coaching carousel comes around is Brett Venables and the defensive coordinator for the Clemson Tigers. Why is he so good, and why hasn't he left Clemson to go start his own program? <laughs> I'm going to tell you what Brent told me a few years back. When I asked him that exact question, he asked me, why should I? Uh, and, and the reason the reason he said that and he gave his reasons is, first of all, he's making as much money as any, you know, group of five head coach in school can give him, right? So he's making over $2 million a year at Clemson, and he's got athletes all over the place that, that, at his disposal that he can, you know, drop into his scheme and do different things with. And, you know, when you look at Clemson's scheme, it's as close to a pro-style defense you're going to see. They, they do a lot of zone blitzing. They look like Dick LeBeau and the Steelers out there with the kind of blitzes they do. Uh, they, you know, they, they, you know, you look at last year, they lose all four down linemen uh, to the NFL the previous season. And last year, he readjusted his whole defense toward the, the style of Isaiah Simmons. And Clemson was a top five, top, you know, three defense scoring and total defense all year last year. Um, and and, and, that, and that's despite the fact they lost all those studs from the year before. And so he does as good a job as anybody of adjusting and going with his personnel. This year he's gone back to the traditional 4-3 because, as I talked, mentioned earlier, all those freshmen they got coming in and how better they are up front with their down four down linemen. They're kind of going back to their old style there. And so he readjusted his personnel, and he just likes Clemson. He, his, his, both his sons now play here at Clemson. Uh, Tyler Venables is a freshman safety. He played last week. Um, and then, of course, uh, the guy started in the middle is Jake Venables, that middle linebacker for Clemson. So he's got his two sons playing for him. He he makes more than enough money. He doesn't have to deal with the headaches of being a head coach, and uh, and he's got he can just pick any player he wants to to go out there and, and run his system and run it well. And I think that's a big reason why he's decided right now just being the defensive coordinator at Clemson is a pretty good gig. Normally, Death Valley is one of the place, the hardest places to go into and play. 80,000 screaming fans. There's only going to be 19,000 people there today because of the uh, COVID restrictions. Uh, the tailgating, there's no tailgating. The parking lots aren't opening as early. What do you expect the atmosphere to be like during this season where fans are going to be limited in the stadium? You know, I still think it won't be, obviously, it's not going to be like 80,000, but the way Clemson spread out that 19,000 throughout the stadium. It's quite impressive. Uh, got a chance to go over there the other day with the media and, and take a look at what it's going to look like. They're going to pump in a little crowd noise, but by the way, so people can understand why it's called Death Valley, it, it really is a valley. Uh, the stadium sits in a valley, and the stadium was built around it. And so 
the noise goes down and it stays on top of you. And that's why it's so loud in that stadium. And so even with 19,000 and the way they got it spread, I think it's still going to be pretty loud. And I'm really curious to see if they're even going to use any of that crowd noise because the way they laid it out, I think they got a chance to be pretty decently loud in that stadium. Uh, you know, we heard Kansas City uh, Monday night, uh, excuse me, last Thursday night, they opened up the season and they didn't have any crowd noise and they used the regular crowds. And it was pretty loud considering it was uh, like, I think, maybe 20,000 fans in the stadium. So, you know, Clemson's kind of similar. We'll see if, what it does, um, if they even need to use that, that, that sound effect at all. Um, but uh, I think it'll be a decent atmosphere. The main thing with Clemson, anybody ever comes, is the tailgating. Clemson is a not like a couple hours before a game tailgate or anything like that. These people come, like if it's an 8 o'clock game, they're in their tailgate, tailgate spots by 6 a.m. Oh, yeah. You know, and they, oh, tailgate yeah. for, they tailgate for 12, 14 hours. And they, if it's a noon game, they'll come and tailgate for a little bit, and then they'll tailgate for eight, nine hours after the game's over. And the, you know, so it's all about the tailgating at Clemson in, in a lot of ways. And that's going to be the thing that's going to be different this year because they're not opening the parking lot until three hours before kick. So, and then they're telling fans you have to leave immediately after. So the tailgate atmosphere is what's going to be more missing and disappointing than anything else going on at Clemson. I think the game day atmosphere itself inside the stadium will be fine. Um, but uh, it's going to be kind of, you know, for me, somebody who's been covering this team a long time, it's going to be weird not seeing really any fans in the, you know, out there tailgating like, like I'm used to. The number one team in the country, Clemson, takes on the Citadel. Will, as always, we appreciate your time in Chicago. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Will Vandervoort from the uh, Clemson Insider with us here on Chicago's College Tailgate. And, Chris, i got to tell you a story. So last mm-hmm. week we were doing the show, right before the show. Yeah. And so in the studio, we on the office, there's a special feature on Trevor Lawrence. Uh-huh. And there's Abdallah under-eyeing, looking at Trevor Lawrence with such disdain. No, 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 no. With such disdain. No, 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 no. You got it all twisted. You got it all t- I love Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is, is great. I think he's great for college football. You got like, it twisted. He was looking I like think, that. Yeah. I think that he, well, I think he, what he's done in this offseason for social issues and being a leader for college football athletes has been amazing. Uh, I just can't stand Dabo Sweeney. I think yes. he, he's fake nice guy. Oh. And, uh, oh, it's James Franklin. Oh, he's a fake up. nice guy. <laughs> Uh, do, do do your homework. Uh, do, it's worth a Google. Uh, I, I, don't, I, Googled, I don't like... Uh, didn't Dabo just announce he gave back, what, a million dollars of his salary? Okay. He makes like, like right? 15 of it. What is that to him? Oh, did, oh. did Saban do that? I'd... They all took pay cuts, yeah. Just making sure. They all took pay cuts. My point fake, is like... Fake nice guy. When How you about go, that? When it comes, when it comes to Have players being... Dabo When Sweeney? it comes to, to players being paid, just eh, look it up. What, oh! Look is it up. That, is that... Look is it that up. factual? Or are you just uh, spitballing here no, on a look it up? Here, fifty thousand watt radio. Talk station. amongst yourself. No, it, oh, talk this is yeah, all right. Well, Jonathan, how are you? How are you? I'm well, thank you. All right, that's good. good. Thanks for the conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, look it up. All right, coming talk up. amongst yourselves. Didn't know I was working with Carmen today, but nonetheless, we'll hear from if Ralph Michaels. If the NCAA Michaels. passed a resolution that authorized the paying of players, Dabo Sweeney said he would find <laughs> another line of work. Maybe Wait, they should pay. What, is, what is that? Maybe they should pay players. Reddit? You got Reddit uh, feed S- there? S- Reddit. S- SportsIllustrated.com. <laughs> Reddit. SportsIllustrated.com. Aha. Uh-huh. Could you send that to me, pal? Yeah. All right. So I want to take a look at that and see where that came from. Good to be able to read your college football conversation from The Onion. 
We now take a look at Notre Dame as they get ready to take on South Florida. That's a 12-30 pregame and a 1-30 kick right here on the home of the Irish, right here on The Onion. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jay Hood, Black, and Abdallah. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN we don't Chicago out. We don't play the game. We Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. If you're a college football fan, we're with you every Saturday as we are building a bridge to Notre Dame against South Florida. Also, the schedule is out for the Big Ten. If you're a Big Ten fan and you're driving around listening to this show, you should be calling us, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. The schedule's out. We talked about it last week. A lot. We had a lot of Big Ten fans call the program and was kind of salty that, hey, we, how come we're not part of this? It's college football. Now you are. Now you do have a college football schedule to look at. So if you're a Northwestern fan, a Illini fan, Wisconsin, whoever you root for in the Big Ten, it should be your time to jump in. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. How excited are you for the schedule and what stands out most about your schedule? So we'll get your phone calls on that as well. Also, always on the show, we're putting money in your pocket uh, as we have, you know, not, not the best schedule, but there's still some value, Adam. There's still some games. You there's can take always a, a money-making opportunity out there. There's Jonathan. games on the board. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's games out there. There's, there's, a, there's a few. There's a few. There's a few games you can take a look at. There's some at. games on the board. How about Notre Dame? Is that a game on the board? Notre Dame ticks on South Florida. Um, some thoughts from Brian Kelly says that the Irish need to get to a better start uh, in this game versus the last, you know, we have to get off to a better start. You know, our, you know, we talk about four quarters of football for us is get off to a good start, um, have an attention to detail, which our attention to detail wasn't great at times, uh, especially defensively. We gave up some uncharacteristically big plays, which was about attention to detail. But the second half, which is effort and enthusiasm, was outstanding. And then we finished strong. Um, th- those are four quarters of football for Notre Dame. And that's always been our standard. We- we've got to clean up those first two quarters. So um, practice has been good. The focus has been good. When we flip to a competitive mindset, uh, we've got to be better in those first two quarters. Yeah, I-, I thought that the game was just okay, Chris, for the uh, the Irish. That was okay. But I guess the bigger question I would have for you is this. So 21 touches by Kyron Williams, the running back for the Irish, during his 205 yards and two-touchdown debut. 11 different uh, defensive linemen played in the first half. Seven different linebackers got into the game. But the thing I want to hone in with you guys is is on the uh, offense and Ian Book. So Book attempted just two passes, 20 yards down the field last week. One was a touchdown to Avery Davis, a 17-yard score that was caught more than 20 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. The wide receivers, you know, you know, seven catches for 74 yards um, in Ian Book's 24 career starts. The only time Notre Dame wide receivers accounted for fewer receptions and yardage was the Michigan debacle last season. So I want to ask you, you guys about Ian Book and whether or not, now that they have an ACC schedule, uh, is he up to the task? Like, where are we looking at with Ian Book as far as him being able to elevate the offense to a different uh, a different stratosphere? Yeah, and, you know, last week's game, we talked about it beforehand. Duke is usually pretty scrappy, and going into the fourth quarter, 17-13, to 13, 
that was a game that was closer than what the experts thought, but we kind of saw that coming into last week. Book goes 19-31 of for 263 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. We talked also last week about how his top three receivers from last season are all gone, right? So he's not working with a new receiver core, new comfortable guys to go to in, in big spots. I would say this, with Ian Book, we had the same conversation about him early last season. Championship quality team, can they get to the college football playoff? Can Ian Book be good enough in big spots to get him there? And we saw a couple of times last season where it didn't work out, but at the end of this season, he actually did improve. Um, against Navy, against Boston College, against Stanford, he had uh, 12 touchdowns in those three games. So, I mean, and no interceptions. So at the end of last season, and even though Notre Dame's fate may have already been sealed because they lost uh, to Michigan, last season he improved at the end of the year, and I'm expecting Book to improve as he gets more comfortable with his receiving core that he has this season and as the season kind of goes along. I, I think Book can do it. He just needs to do it against the top flight opponents where last year he didn't against Michigan and Georgia. Well, he hasn't been able to. He has a uh, passing grade. This is all from Pro Football Focus. He has yeah. a 92.9 passing grade against non-Power 5 teams. Power 5 teams, it drops to 67.6. That's from last season, including the Duke game from this season. So the last year and one game plus. So last week against Duke, he had the second worst passing grade amongst quarterbacks in all of all the games uh, last week, mm-hmm. an intermediate to, intermediate to deep throws, including two throws that should have been intercepted. They had seven plays for 10 yards in the first quarter. That's not going to get it done. So he has to take the next step. That's what we've always said about Ian Book. Is he going to take the next step? Is Tommy Reese going to be able to get him to take that next step coming in as a new offensive coordinator? And what we saw from Duke is Ian Book's just still Ian Book. He's still Ian Book. And so he's not going to – look, he might win you a game or two, but without his top weapons, their three starting wide receivers last week had three total targets, not catches, three total targets from that three wide receiver starting group. So, yeah, they're trying to spread the ball around, and, yes, he did lose his top three pass-catching targets from last season, but with a shortened offseason and all this kind of stuff – Ian Book has to take that next step if he's going to try to make it on the next level. He might just be a serviceable quarterback, backup type guy in the NFL, but for Notre Dame to make it past Clemson, they're the the big name on their schedule, he's got to be better. You can't have these kind of numbers against a top-tier team, and he's proven that against Power 5 teams, he can't do it. Jonathan, Adam, and Chris with you on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN 1000 CCT. Brian Kelly talks about Ian Book is what Adam was talking about, how Ian Book can improve. Well, I think, you know, anytime you talk about uh, your quarterback, you want to talk about winning, and uh, Ian Book wins. Uh, So, you know, uh, at the end of the day, the guy finds a way to win. Can he play better? Yes. Uh, can I coach better? Yes, we all can. And so I think we evaluate ourselves critically here uh, in this building. Um, but we also look at the fact that winning is what the byproduct is, and we want to win football games. So um, we're going to get back at it this week. We're going to look at the things that we need to get better at, and uh, we're certainly going to do that. And uh, I think when you talk about Ian Book, the nice part about it is he's a winner. 
Okay, he's a winner, yes. But, Adam, as we take a look at the schedule, this year's schedule versus last year's schedule, as we've talked about before, there's always, you know, for Notre Dame, they'll take the challenge to take it on USC or Michigan and take mm-hmm. it on some powerhouse teams outside of their realm, outside of their conference, of course. But for this year, as we can look at that schedule and say, yeah, Notre Dame seems like they can match up against a number of these teams. But if they struggle in the passing game in particular with Ian Book, there might be a hiccup on that schedule even before they get to Clemson, right? Yeah, you could see something with maybe a Florida State, with maybe a Louisville who has been who's got a big game against Miami tonight. Um, but I think that you know he also does have the benefit of having the best offensive line in the country right now uh, at his disposal. So Notre Dame might go to a look. Let's just hope he doesn't screw this up. And if we need him to make a throw, he'll make a throw. But ultimately, let's be a, a ground and pound type of type of game where we just rely on our running backs, rely on this great defense that they have and just kind of hope that Ian Book just doesn't regress. Stay Ian Book. If we need you to make a throw in the end zone to win a game, we know he can do that because, like Brian Kelly said, he does win. They have had winning seasons the past few years with Ian Book. So, yes, he does win. But if they get into a shootout, I'm not sure they can compete. Yeah, it's he's just not the quarterback that I think Brian Kelly wishes he had. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Like, he wishes he had a quarterback who could go out there and lead and be the reason they win and not a guy that just has to manage Notre Dame down the field and then allow the offensive line, the defensive line to thrive. You know, like, that's the impression I get because you run through the schedule from last year, you look at the opponents on this year's schedule, you're right, Abdallah, it, it seems as if it is – just don't screw this up, and we have a chance. Hopefully we can be in a close game with Clemson, and our, our line play will be what takes advantage. But clearly, I mean, Clemson's going to be a tall task, but they can't trip up before they get to that point. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to try to put some money in your pocket as we do every Saturday with our guy Ralph Michaels. Oh, Ralph. It's week three of college football, so why not some win some money? Ralph Michaels, we'll talk to you next week. Wait a minute, we didn't book you. What are you doing, Ralph? Why are you inviting yourself, Ralph? More college football talk is right around the corner. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. The CCT Scoreboard on ESPN 1000. Here's Chris Blackwood. All right, guys, week three in college football. Let's take a look at the top 25 scoreboard right now. There are four games going on with ranked opponents, Tulsa and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is the 11th ranked team in the country. They lead 3-0 with three minutes left in the first quarter. Cincinnati is up 13-3 on Austin P with 33 seconds left in the first quarter. Louisiana is the 19th ranked team in the country. They are tied, no score right now with Georgia State. Five minutes left in the first quarter of that contest. Syracuse and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, the 25th ranked team in the country. They lead by four, seven to three in the first quarter, four minutes in that game. And that's the top 25 scoreboard right here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan, Adam, and Chris with you. Glad that you're with us here for week three of the college football season. And we always try to put some money in your pocket here. And we will go now to our guy, Ralph Michaels. You can follow Ralph on Twitter at CalSportsLV from WagerTalk.com. Ralph, Jonathan, Adam, and Chris, thanks so much for your time. Hey, guys. Always a pleasure. Uh, there really is an issue with the AP Top 25 if Louisiana is in it. Not that they haven't done a great job the last few years, but uh, 
Uh, we'll see a little change in the next few weeks when they start including the other teams that are playing. I mean, Simon, a football team, it's a pack of seasoning. It's, it's a raging Cajun. It's unbelievable. So, so I, I wanna, Ralph, I'm wondering your philosophy for those that are listening and going to make a play mid-afternoon to um, a couple of the evening games. How do you look at some of the bigger spreads? Because looking back last week, I think uh, Chris's Texas Longhorns covered the 40. Three, I believe it was. Yes. Yeah. So how do you look at bigger spreads uh, usually in college? You know, I don't. This year is so unique. It's an individual case by case. There's there's no lump answer that can I give you. I mean, let's use the Irish for an example. You know, Notre Dame was a 20 plus point favorite last week. They were outgained in the first half. But what we saw second half adjustments when they held Duke to 86 yards in the second half. Oklahoma played a nobody. They were able to score 48 nothing. But, you know, let's look at another example early. Oklahoma State has really struggled. We saw so many COVID cases. We saw their offense being structured for four practices, stopped for four days, practiced for five days, stopped for four days. Oklahoma State is a 24-point favorite today, only up 3 nothing versus Tulsa. So if I have a team that is established with a head coach, a quarterback, and an OC that have been in the system, had a few spring practices, and had a semi-stable August, I will then be okay laying those points. Otherwise, I'm looking for the dog aspect. Let's look at the Irish today. The uh, The line opened at 24.5. It's down to 22.5, and, and a lot of movement on the total as well, which opened at 52.5 and, and is now down to 48.5. How do you see this game? I actually lean with the dog. Not that the Irish can't win and won't win and can't cover, but you're looking at them trying to establish their offense, trying to find – the the wide receivers that Ian Book can go to. Williams established himself with 112 yards, 5.9 yards per carry. Receiving yards a bit misleading, having 93 yards on only two receptions. So that leaves it up to Ian Book finding what wide receivers he's going to need. And it's not that important against Wake Forest, but I'll tell you what, Wake Forest has a sneaky defense and very good defensive ends coming up. And then, of course, they have Florida State and Louisville, both teams, I think, which will look better when they get to them. So I think the Irish win this game. I think, um, you know, they're in the position. How, how fun is it for Charlie Weiss Jr. to be opposite and coming in as the OC of USF and where his dad coached? I don't think they want to embarrass USF. This is the first year they've had to worry about their ACC record. And I think that's going to look into it as part of it moving forward. Let's not worry about USF. Let's just get the win. The ACC schedule for our first times in our lives are the most important thing in Notre Dame football. UCF is taking on Georgia Tech. And UCF over the course of the last couple of years has really become one of those darlings that people make the argument that they should be included in the college football playoff, even though they're not in one of the Power Five conferences. How do you see them matching up against a Georgia Tech team out of the ACC today? Well, my power ratings actually have UCF as a nine and a half point favorite, which means normally I would be looking at the UCF side for a play. But in this season, I just can't. I have a Georgia Tech team with a very good defense that has a game already played at Florida State, a game that they outgained the Seminoles one by 131 yards, 
a very good defense that held their foes to 3.1 yards per carry. There will be some fans in the stands that will give them the edge. So when I have a fundamentally sound team under Jeff Collins in his second year with a quarterback under Jeff Sims who has a game under his belt and a defense that's much improved, despite my power ratings say I lean with UCF, the situation calls for Georgia Tech. So for me, unfortunately, for the radio listeners, it's a no play. Jonathan, Adam, and Chris of Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The 6.30 game on ABC with Miami against Louisville. Where is the value, Ralph, more so with Louisville as a favorite or the over-under t- the total? Boy, I do like the over-under in this. I think it's, it's a very high number at 63 or 63 and a half. We have a situation that was moved up a few weeks than normal. One of my favorite handicapping tools is to take a Power 5 team in the ACC or SEC, it really doesn't matter what conference it is, that has had some big scores that ran up-temple offense. And once you start conference play, you see them put a break on that fast-paced offense. Why? Every team is 0-0 zero and zero right now in conference play. Every game is as important. The ACC changed their structure this year. They're not playing two divisions. The two best teams with the conference records go on to play in the conference finals. Louisville believes they can be there. Miami believes they can be there. De'Ara King, yes, he's exciting. De'Ara King, I think we'll get the reins pulled back. We only want you to run if we need you to run. And I think Louisville, off to a big start last week, I think they do the same thing. I think they play conservative. I think they say, let's let our run game try to take over. We have Hawkins. We have Hall. We know what Mikel Cunningham can do. He threw for 343 against Western Kentucky. But when we get these conference games like we have tonight in prime time with the main guys broadcasting them, I think the defense has come to shine. And I think there's almost eight points of value to the under in this game. Ooh. I'm going to have to log in right now. Uh, that one. Uh, another total that has moved a lot is the uh, Wake Forest and, for that. and yeah. NC State uh, game tonight. This game opened at 56.5. It's down to 53. Some places 52. How do you see this one? Well, isn't that the Wake Forest defense we just talked about, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. which Notre Dame has next week? And it really is that sneaky good. People don't, don't think of Wake Forest as a defensive program. So, you know, I think it is, it is a perfect move. I think the line is now it's still one point higher than I made the line. On Sundays when the lines are coming out, I make a line and total on every game. Because we have an NC State team that hasn't played a game. We have a Wake Forest with a team, with a game under their belt, but a Wake Forest team with a better defense than an offense. Only way I can go in that game is on the under. Is there anything else on the board today that we should look at and maybe pay attention to? You know, I I have one other play which hasn't gone yet uh, for tonight. And I I like North Texas plus the 14. They have not been good in this role as a home dog, but I, I really think they can keep up and they can keep it close with SMU. I'll tell you this. I even played some on the money line with North Texas with the big plus on the money line, but grab the 14 or 14 and a half against SMU tonight. Ralph, if I went to wagertalk.com, what would I find? You go to wagertalk.com, go to the Ralph Michaels page. There's a ton of information I have. I put out a college football guide 
which has the number of returning starters, the recruiting rankings, the number of spring practices. You're going to need it for the SEC this week and the Big Ten. And there's probably 15 free downloads that I have on my page. Just check them out. They're all free. Wagertalk.com. And then go to the Ralph Michaels homepage. My friend, as always, we appreciate your time on a college football Saturday. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. It is Ralph Michaels with us here on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, it's always good to hear from Ralph, Chris. North Texas, uh, plus 375 right now on the money line. Ooh. Are we going to sprinkle a little there? Plus three, and, and, you got a line shot, bro. I got and, plus 410 over here. And play the uh, the Ralph a sprinkle. sprinkle. A little, little raging Cajun oh, sprinkle. Little, little, little <laughs> Ralph a little sprinkle on, it. <laughs> on a Saturday. Put a little spice on it. Second generation uh, ball player Shane uh, Bouchelle. Yeah. Steve uh, Bouchelle's kid. For SMU. For SMU, the quarterback for uh, SMU. Socially distanced in Denton, Texas, I'm sure. And it'll be about 20,000 yeah. there in North Texas. Nonetheless, we now turn now to the Big Ten right around the corner. So we're going to make our predictions here. we got a schedule. Oh. ILL. LOL. OSE. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jay Hood, Black, and Abdallah. Saturday night specials come your way at noon here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Also, we'll keep our eyes on the Heisman Watch. By the way, uh, are you going to pour one out to a great establishment Oh. That close that's going to be closing soon. Which one? Oh, the one I recently. Mean, there's there's, there's like, Alley. Yeah, Southport Lanes. Southport. I mean, pour I've, one out to, for I've, Southport. I've poured out a few for Southport Lanes. Uh, Sad. That's I've lived in that neighborhood. Chris and I lived together in that neighborhood for six years. I've lived in that neighborhood since 2004, and uh, that place has been a staple. They'll always find a TV for you. That's exactly no matter right. What yeah. game you want? Um... The atmosphere was always great. You could always get a spot at the bar. Great beer, great food. Uh, it's just it. They've, they've got a week left, so if you can get out there, support the support them before they they get out of there. I was always a big fan of the Cajun chicken sandwich. Oh, Ooh, that was so good there. Stumbling in there just to get beers, just to, and, yeah. and 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 Adam is right. Similar to Mother Hubbard's, if you're looking for a game, they'll put it on for you. Oh, absolutely. And you could always count on like. Like, oh, where should we go? Where should we go? We're thinking of a spot where they're like, well, we're going to go to Southport Lane. So let's just let's go to Southport Lane. Sad. It is. It's yeah. sad. That, like a, a iconic spot like that. Oh yeah, they still have the Schlitz. Uh, the the uh, above the door. They still have the old Schlitz carving <laughs> above the door because they. You can still like it, it was, It's great. I love it. I was hoping if they have some old signage, I'd like to take some home and put them in the hood cave. <laughs> Seriously. You're just up there trying to get the shirt signed out. <laughs> like, like, just, I like nostalgia ugh. like that. You know, drive by and find out. You guys, they you, might. You guys know I like this nostalgia yeah. like that. The old school, just to put in the, in the hood cave. I'd yeah. love to have that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. No, it's just a bunch of bars like that have, have been, uh, have been. you know, Pippin's is a staple. Uh, downtown Guthrie's, another Wrigleyville staple that has been shutting down. It's just this, the, the pandemic just sucks, man. The 2020 Big Ten schedule is out, and I think we need to lay out some predictions here. So, Adam, with your Illini, ILL. LOL. OSE. <laughs> we take a look now at uh, Illinois. Well, I love you win some games. Come on, Abdallah. Well, I haven't seen him as of late. Is the beard back? He shaved no, it. No, no, no beard? No, no beard, two wins. All right. 
We well, now turn to Chris now. <laughs> That's the well, no, look, they have a tough schedule. Uh, Wisconsin is Wisconsin's loss. a loss. Purdue. It win. wasn't a loss last year, though. So why are but you that so was confident? A flu- I looked at the lines already. On Colin Wilson on the Action Network already predicted Wisconsin as a twenty-eight point favorite. Ooh. Okay, Ooh. so let's ah. let's all right. So okay, I so let's, the program was ready to take the next step. Take let's, your questions. Uh, <laughs> take your questions. He's got oh sorry twenty-four. Sorry, he's got Illinois, Wisconsin at tw- minus Wisconsin at minus twenty-four so right was, now. So Wisconsin lost Purdue. Okay. okay. Let's talk about Purdue. They can beat Purdue. They can beat Purdue. It's a Win. home game. They can beat Purdue. Minnesota. Loss. Yeah. yeah. Rutgers. Win. Nebraska. Loss. Ohio what? State. Hold Loss. on. Hold on. Nebraska? Really? Scott Frost? Scott Frost two? is home. Better. All right. Better. Okay. All right. You do, better. Okay. Uh, what did you say? Let's see. Iowa? I'll tell you. Hold on. I'll tell you this. As hard as, as hard as Nebraska was trying to play football, they better win every damn game. They better win every damn game. Well, that's not going to happen. As hard as you've been trying to play football this year. You want to get out of conference and go to the SEC or something like that. But the Big 12. Uh, so, lost to Nebraska, lost to Ohio State, lost to Iowa, win against Northwestern. That's three wins. Chris, three wins. You, you feel the same? Three wins. Set it Set it at three. Okay, fine. Set it at three and a half. Where are you going? You take, over, you under? take the over? I see four losses. So, I'll take the over. Okay. Where's the other win? Uh, Purdue, Rutgers, Nebraska, Northwestern. Okay. Nebraska. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, go Cats. Maryland. Win. You Win, hope. huh? You better. I'll yeah. Uh, all right. Go Cats. You sure? Yeah. Uh, now, re- now, remember how bad game? that offense was Field last goal? year. Hold yeah. On. Oh, yeah. It's, it's close. It's close. Okay. All right. Win. Uh, Iowa. Loss. Nebraska. Loss. <laughs> Purdue. Win. Purdue's gonna just lose every game on the road. <laughs> on the road, God. they don't they don't have the tall grass in Evanston Poor to help West, them out. If you're listening, West Lafayette, we apologize, but your team is underwhelming. How about Purdue? Hey, 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 Brom, take that Louisville job next time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, Purdue win, right? Wisconsin <sighs> loss. Okay, Michigan State win. Wow, is is that win. is that the is that that's the Northwestern? Okay. Yeah, that's that one game yeah. where you're like, all Stand right, up tall. That's a win. Fitzgerald earned that money. That's a win. <laughs> wow, with, with it's his, a win with his chest out. Fitzgerald with the victory against uh, and note, Michigan State. Note on the road without the tall grass. That's a uh, win. Minnesota loss. Illinois loss. Three wins over under three. Chris, that's about right. I'd set it I'd set it two think, and a half. Yeah, think, and uh, yeah, where go are you going over. from there? Over. I would go over from there, but I think it's three. Okay. It's, any more wins? No. I mean, li- listen. Maybe we, Illinois. Remember what we saw from Northwestern last year? They were very disappointing, okay. especially offensively. Up. <laughs> oh, so, beg your pardon. All right, Michigan. But you guys know how it works here in town. We mean. I mean, we're the only show that's going to talk about Northwestern, their downfalls of the football program. You know that that's true. Yeah, we're the only ones that are going to point out year. that they're inept offensively. Though, it's a tough year. It's a no, tough no, year. Though, I get Chris. this. It's a tough year. I get this. It's a tough year. We were at Bat, Bat Seventeen in Evanston, breaking down <laughs> Northwestern 17. football last year. Hey, that's where Illinois beat Wisconsin. Yes, that's where I almost fell out of a chair. That's where I almost fell out of a chair because that over ticket cash. The whole point of that show, I remember that show, was that yeah. we, we no one will ever talk about Northwestern. The fact that they really. Everyone always wants to go to, oh, Fitzgerald's doing a great job. Remember that Rose Bowl? Oh, yeah. my God. Listen, like, they, they really have not been that good as of late. So yeah. uh, they, they have to improve offensively. And with this schedule, it's difficult because they've struggled against a number of these opponents. And we know last year they went 3-9. and nine. So, uh, Bill Collins. 
let that sell in. Mm-hmm. They went 3-9 three three and nine. And nine mm-hmm. last season. Yeah. Their three wins last year were against UNLV, they beat UMass, and they beat Illinois. So now with only a Big Ten schedule, if you set that number at two and a half, now maybe I'm talking myself out of the three wins because they only beat one Big Ten school last year. And we we both, all three of us, just agree that Illinois is going to beat them this year. So Bill Conley uh, of the SP Plus on uh, ESPN just put out his win totals for the Big Ten, like just now. One. Uh, So Illinois, two and a half projected wins. Over. Northwestern, 3.2 wins. Wow. Purdue, 3.4 wins. Nebraska, 3.5. Iowa, 4.3. Minnesota, 5.1. Wisconsin, 6.2. Nebraska down that much? Like, you're going to lose against Ohio State at the box, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Wisconsin loss, Northwestern win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State loss. Illinois, you say loss. How about this? Right? Michigan State, 3.2 wins. Michigan, four wins. Yeah, I think, want, I think Michigan's quick, a little inflated. Hold, wait, hold on a second. Let's go through it real quick, Eric. I know we're late, but I just got to get so because Michigan is a big storyline. If we think Ohio State's going to be the best, Michigan's always the second storyline, right? Mm-hmm. So go, let's go through it, Adam. Against Minnesota, Ooh. tough on the road, tough game, tough. Just tough. Close, closer. Like you take Minnesota on the points in that spot, but Michigan wins the game, right? I, Michigan wins the game. Who's playing quarterback? Uh, I don't know yet. Exactly. I don't know yet. Exactly. Michigan State win. Indiana win. Wisconsin loss. Rutgers win. Yeah. Loss against what, are you str- what are you struggling with win. Rutgers for? What's win, the, what's uh, the- College football. ESPN 1000 has studied hard and has all the answers. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show. With Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. Advanced degrees not required. Understanding the Wildcat? Essential. <laughs> Chicago's College Tailgate Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The CCT Scoreboard on ESPN 1000. Chris Black, Chris. Thank you, Jonathan. As we take a look at the top 25 scoreboard in college football, Oklahoma State up 3-0 on Tulsa, 7.45 left in the second quarter. Cincinnati's up 21-3 on Austin P. Eight minutes left in the second quarter. Georgia State, Louisiana. We were just talking about Louisiana's ranked 19th in the country. Well, they're down 14. Georgia State leads 14-0 with 11 minutes left in the second quarter. How about this? You got the upset alert with you as well, uh, Jonathan. 7-10 is the score. Syracuse leads what? Pittsburgh. What's the score? 10-7. Three-point lead for Syracuse. The fighting media elites. Syracuse leads Pittsburgh 10-7. Ten minutes left in the second quarter, and that's the top 25 scoreboard right here on Chicago's College Delgate. The fighting East Coast bias. Well, I mean, that's it. it's just what it is, right? For those of you new to our show, we bring our bird in because they were in an upset. Well, there's an upset brewing. Georgia the bird, State the bird and comes Syracuse. In. It's so funny. Georgia State is the is the upset right there. As the occasion's uh, not as spicy today. The, the, the pack of seasoning losing to sprinkle. Well, I tell you what. The uh, shout out to the Sun Belt. If the Big Ten was not coming back, welcome in Sun Belt. Come on in, pal. Come on in, small school. Why not? How about all those upsets, including Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers? Yeah. And then once again, they had prime. They had prime time right against Campbell. Yeah, they beat down on the fighting camels. So a fake, what a, mascot. a fake rooster against a can of soup. 
And so that was that was the case. It's amazing. Some of these schools, it's unbelievable. Uh, three one two three three two ESPN three three two. How about Tulane? Three seven seven six. Yeah, anything in game you're interested in before we uh, Tulane's up seventeen Tulane's nothing up on seven, Navy. Yeah, Tulane's up seventeen nothing. I did a I, I live bet that I had that at six and a half, and then I live bet it at ten and a half. Well, Navy, you know, they just weren't prepared. You know, oh what the Navy? You know, they just weren't prepared. You know, the pandemic. You know, like all the excuses in the world. They have Georgia their sack, sack uh, dances ready to go right. though. This is down seventeen. Right. You see that? I, you may have to um, yeah, check on your uh, now legal gambling website because huh? I have Georgia State at plus two and a half right now, and they're up fourteen to nothing. All right, waiting, uh, waiting for the refresh. We will see. <whistles> we will see about that. Mike on the north side on Chicago's oh, I see plus College four yeah. on ESPN one thousand. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call, Jonathan. I hope at the center of the hood cave is a big St. Francis the Sales banner. Of course it is. There you go. Class of 90, which rhymed with nothing for the yearbook. There you go. <laughs> I just wanted to say about the Big Ten, as long as Lovey Smith is the coach, I'll always cheer for the Fighting Illini. I think he I think he brings class to the program, and I will never cheer for Northwestern. I was at the UMass game last year, oh. the third worst team in the country, and they ran up the score on him. That's not, you know, just because they're having a bad year, they're going to take it out on that team to try to make themselves look good to recruits. I don't think Fitzgerald has any class. All right, my friend. Glad you checked in. Appreciate your phone call. Finally, someone other than us with a strong take on the Northwestern Wildcats. But Fitz is the best as we get ready for Saturday night specials. It's time to put money in your pocket. What's wrong with making a few bucks on the side? It's the Saturday Night Special. You want some of this, don't you? Yeah! Well, you need to know the winner. And I know the winner. It's time to put money in your pocket. It's the Saturday Night Special on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. All right, place your bets. I mean, he could have easily took the Jets job. It was available for Fitz. You remember that uh, yeah. a long time ago, right? Oh, yeah. He'd the be, hot name. He'd be right back at Northwestern. <laughs> wow. Wait a minute. Bounced now. from the AFC East. <laughs> I mean, all, I'm, all I say is this, is that on this show, we look at the upper echelon, we, we look at the middle, and also we look at the teams and hold them accountable. And the idea that just because they have a beautiful campus in Evanston that we're supposed to pat them on the head, that's not right. They, they should be better. And Wildcats fans should be adamant that the team should be better every year. They won three games last year. So, like, you don't really have any room to talk. You won three ball games. That's it. End of story. Should win some more. Team. Well, okay. You got to win to be that, right? Because we go to all the bars when it's not a pandemic. I feel and like we, Iowa is Chicago's big We see Iowa. by we, the bars. We see Michigan. <laughs> we see Ohio yeah. State, right? Like, people show out for their schools. It, it, put that on the poll, Eric, at ESPN 1000. Is, I, is Iowa's Big is Iowa Chicago's Big Ten team? It, it probably like there, is. There are more Iowa bars in within the city limits than any other bar. That yeah, is true. Any other affiliation. I think, that, I think you're on to something there. Absolutely. Put it's that, possible. Put that on the poll and see how that comes back. Is Iowa really Chicago's Big Ten team? Uh, in parentheses, based on the bars. Yeah. Okay. Appalachian State will take on Marshall, Adam. 
They will. Yes, they will. They will. That'll be, uh, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into this blood against the FCS Eastern Kentucky, but I was very impressed by what I saw from the herd freshman quarterback Grant Wells, who actually is from the same hometown as App State head coach Sean Clark. Wells is behind a strong offensive line that starts five seniors. I do expect the Mountaineers' run game to give Marshall a lot of problems. I think it's closer than the experts think. Give me Marshall as I saw it, plus four against App, App State. Lock it up. Do you have it at plus four on yours? Uh, I see five yes. and a half. Ooh. I see four and a half. Will you allow me to have the... Uh... We'll middle it at five. We'll give you a plus five. Will you? Yeah. You set the number at five? For yeah. Me? We'll middle it. I like Marshall plus five, Eric, against App State. Lock it up. Adam? Middle it. Uh, I will oh. go to uh, tonight. Tonight, Wake Forest. Tonight, uh, I heard. North Carolina. Uh, NC State <laughs> averages only 16.1 points per game in conference play last year. The under is 20 and 9 in NC State's last 29 ACC games, 10 and 4 in Wake's last 14 ACC games. Uh, and SP Plus, courtesy of Bill Conley, has this as an under bet as well. I will take Wake Forest at NC State under 53. All right, Jonathan, I'm on this game with you. Uh, The Appalachian State at Marshall game, CBS 230. How about that for CBS? That's a, that's a, they're hurting without the SEC. So here you go. Marshall and Appalachian State. They're not rolling Vern out there, are they? (laughs) CBS 230. (laughs) doing it from the couch. (laughs) Gary Daniels on the call. Uh, uh, But I'm going to go the other way. Oh, Oh, minus the five. I'll take Appalachian State after watching them uh, in the second half late last week, adding the touchdown to cover. I will take App State minus the five. Saturday night specials on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app with Jonathan, Adam, and Chris. So we try to put money in your pocket for a college football Saturday week three. Miami against Louisville, Adam. Mm. So if Miami was home, I'd pick the Canes. Mm. who I do believe that they're improved. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be a big test for Miami's offensive line. It's, had, uh, it's a group that's had a ton of turnover the past three seasons. Um, but I feel good about Louisville. I have it at three. I don't know what you have it as because I did this early Friday, so I have it at three. Uh, I will tell you right now, in some places, Miami is a point favorite. Okay. And yeah, I'm seeing oh. one. They're minus one right now. On, mm-hmm. Oh, Miami's are, oh on DraftKings. Yeah. yeah, it's flipped. Can I have the plus one with uh, Louisville? Yeah, I like Louisville to win the. I like Louisville to win the game outright. I like them to win the game outright. Let me put it on record and let me have Louisville plus one. Lock it up, Adam. Uh, I'm going to go with one of uh, Ralph Michael's picks. He mentioned this game as well, Miami and Louisville. When uh, when the over under opened at fifty nine and a half, I was like, give me these points. There's going to be a lot of points. And then it goes all the way up to 65 and a half. You know what that means? The under? You go the other way. You go the other way. Give me Miami Louisville under 65 and a half. You're the under man today. Mm-hmm. Under what, 65 and a half? 65 and a half. Well, you know the reason is I, I took a couple overs last week and it didn't go well. And a lot of sloppy football is being played because guys haven't tackled a lot yet. 
And but the guys, came, but but Notre Dame came through. Yeah. Notre Dame yeah. came, yeah, that under came through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I feel like there's the Clemson under was a sweat, but that came through as well last week. So I feel like guys are still trying to their offenses are still trying to work things out. So I'm feeling more unders in these first couple of weeks of play. All right, Jonathan. Chris, I, I guess this is what we're going to do today. Uh, you go Louisville. You go Louisville plus the point. And to win outright tonight, it's the marquee game, six thirty on ABC Seven. Hurricanes, Cardinals. I'm gonna go the other way on that, and I'm gonna take Miami minus the one point. Derek King, I think he shows out tonight, and Miami shows that they are for real, and they beat Louisville on the road. Lock it up. Last game, uh, UCF Georgia Tech. Oh no. So I, I like the way I like the way Jeff Collins' young team battled back uh, for that victory against Florida State. Florida State's back, right? Uh, so Jeff Sims, <laughs> it's going to take a while for Novell. Okay, it's going to take. It's not going to be easy for Novell like in year one. It's going to take a little time. It's also not a Memphis schedule either. There you go. Right. See? Jeff Sims is a stud, and the Yellow Jackets will build around him. The advantage of being at home and giving and having one game under their belt against UCF. Uh, will be enough, I believe. Uh, I have saw it at seven. What did you see it as with this earlier? Because I kind of think that Georgia Tech is Georgia Tech's going to win the game. But what's the line that you've seen? Eight, uh, Georgia Tech plus eight and a half. <clears throat> I saw it at seven earlier. But again, I did this. I put this prep together early Friday morning. <laughs> yeah, the line right now during, in DraftKings is eight and a half. During Cap and J Hood, I was putting this together at seven a.m. So okay. So so, what's the number? Eight and so eight and a half. Eight and a half. I like Georgia Tech. All right, plus the eight and a half. And a half. Lock it up, Adam. I'm going to keep the momentum rolling on the unders here, gentlemen. I am going to take uh, the the struggling Ian Book. I'm going to take the Notre Dame front uh, offensive line, the best offensive line in college football. I'm going to say they just continue to run the ball. And just try to get out of. I don't think. I don't think they're in any uh, chance of losing this game. But I will take the under forty-eight and a half in Notre Dame, South Florida. Yeah, nice day though. Not a sloppy track like last week. You sure? Like it's a nice day. I mean, nice day. Yeah. Well, how about the? If I asked you about the number now, Notre Dame is. I think they could put three touchdowns. We had a three touchdown favorite. Yeah, they're twenty-one and a half. So that's a big. What you do know, you think? That's a big half. If I asked you, would you? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think what what uh, Ralph Michaels told us that Notre Dame doesn't want to be embarrassing Charlie Weiss's kid, you know. So or do they? Uh, or do <laughs> or they? Or do they? I think they might. Um, but I don't think that this is a let's run up the clock. I think this is just a nice, clean. Let's get up to an early lead and then just kind of run the ball and and not make any mistakes. I think they can win by three touchdowns, but I don't think it's going to be like I don't think they're putting up fifty on. I might be wrong, but I don't think they're putting up fifty on USF. If they don't. If they don't put up at least three or four touchdowns on South Florida, then I am very wary about the Irish against Louisville. Just saying. Let's go over to Chris now with the last quick. I think oh, it's a- let's make it three for three. Jonathan, you took Georgia Tech. I will go UCF minus the eight and a half. They win ten games last year. I think UCF is going to be a team challenging for the top ten. I can 10. sit this week out if you guys just want to. And they get the victory yeah. by more than eight and a half points. I'm going UCF. Why, three it, for three. It's almost personal. Well, no, I mean, it's just, just how the card laid. <laughs> I don't care about how you lay your cards. But nonetheless, 
I'm just going to try to go 2-0 and with Georgia Tech after winning some money last week. I'm going to see if I can just ride with Georgia Tech again. Uh, the matchup we've been talking about, and really is the best matchup. If you're going to watch college football today, outside of the Irish against South Florida, there is Miami against Louisville, two ranked teams. Some thoughts from both coaches. First, Manny Diaz, the head coach for Miami, his first impression of uh, King in game action. We had an idea. You know, in our scrimmages, he's not live contact. So we were basically playing touch on him, which really benefited the defense because there were some plays that – he got touched that he would have gotten out of, which we saw him get out of for the first time last Thursday night. So creates a lot of problems. Number one, it's an extra gap in the running game. You have to account for him in the running game. And then even in the throwing game, UAB came out, played a very different defense than what they had shown on film from the opener or from any of 20 of 19. Uh, a lot more bump and run man coverage. And the issue in man coverage is when you match up everybody in the, in the back end, there's no one on the quarterback. And ultimately, that's what ended up happening, is that if there was no one he felt good about throwing the ball to, he could take off and run, and there were some really explosive plays um, on some scrambles. Louisville's coach Scott Satterfield. Scott Satterfield on the challenge that De'Eric King poses. Well, you know, I think there's a lot been said about, you know, some of the transfers that they brought in there. They're, they're, they're impact players, particularly the quarterback, um, you know, and the two defensive ends. Those, those three guys in particular, I think, have really stood out in week one. Um, you know, King is a, a player that's, you know, really was hyped uh, hyped up at Houston and deservedly so was it was an outstanding player there. And, you know, and then come to Miami and you really you know, interested to see how they utilized him the other night. But I mean, we know he can run. He's got a good arm as well. Um, he's a playmaker. I mean, he's you know, what is it, 16 or 17 straight games where he's thrown a touchdown and ran a touchdown. It's pretty remarkable. Um, he's hard to contain, I, I think, you know, but then you couple that with their running backs. And, I mean, they don't just have one. They have several running backs that I think are, are very explosive runners. Um, they, they have speed and they can break tackles. Um, you know, and then we know they have some skill out there at wide receiver that can, that can knock the top off um, and catch the football. Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. We're going to go out there. We're going to play the game. We're going to let the game come to us. We're going to play some defense. They're going to play some defense. We're going to run the ball. We're going to eat some gumbo. Run the ball. Slow fade. Need to get schooled on the latest in the world of college football? ESPN 1000 Chicago College Tailgate Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. It's college football's highest honor. From now on, your name will be followed by the words Heisman Trophy winner. Along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah, here's Jonathan Hood. Building a bridge to Notre Dame football to take on South Florida, 1230 pregame, 130 kick. Right here on the home of the Fighting Irish ESPN 1000, time for Heisman Watch. And here's Chris Black. Chris? Guys, after two weeks of college football and the Heisman Watch, number one is Trevor Lawrence, quarterback from Clemson, which I think we would all agree heading into the season he was going to be the front runner. Here are the names on the list on ESPN.com behind Trevor Lawrence. Number two, Spencer Rattler, the quarterback from Oklahoma. Great first week in his debut. He threw uh, four touchdowns in the 48-0 win over Missouri State. Sam Ellinger 
quarterback from Texas is number three. He was fantastic last Saturday as well. Travis Etienne, running back from Clemson, is number four. And number five, Chuba Hubbard, the running back from Oklahoma State, as Oklahoma State struggling today, a 3 nothing in their contest. But Chuba Hubbard, the fifth person on the list in the Heisman Watch on ESPN.com. I wonder... Wonder if, who. I wonder if these Ohio State games, if Ohio State tries to run it up on people to try to get Justin Fields a spot in that Heisman candidacy. Because if you're going by it, if we're talking about you're not playing enough games to win a national championship or to be considered in the playoff. Style points. Are you playing enough games to get Justin Fields into that Heisman Trophy race? Because at the beginning of the year, before we knew all the cancellations were going to happen, we all assumed it was going to be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields as that one-two for the Heisman candidate. Like, it was going to be them and, like, whoever else, right? Maybe Sam Ellinger from Texas. Maybe uh, Spencer Radler from Oklahoma. But it was going to be essentially a two-horse race. You build your Heisman uh, profile based on beating bums first. Yes. So without the with Ohio State not having many bums on their schedule, are they going to try to run it up on teams and not take their foot off the gas if they are up, you know, three or four touchdowns just so they can pad his stats? Because with less games, those stats don't look as good because you're not playing as much. How often can you do that now against head-to-head schedule? Oh, something else we got to mention just real quick about that. Um, So no red shirts. So now you have expanded rosters now for college football, so no red shirts. So you got a full complement of players. But when you look at a head-to-head Big Ten schedule, how many opponents can you really run it up on besides Purdue? Rutgers, Maryland. Northwestern, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I I, I would guess here's how I would look at it for Justin Fields. The moment they start playing, he'll be in this top five Heisman conversation. So will Waddle and Harris? Yeah, Yeah, yes. Right. And so you look at it, and it's like, okay, this is good for right now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence will be up there. Rattler will be up there. Ellinger will be up there. But then you have to fill out the rest of the top five. It'll be other quarterbacks from the two conferences who are not playing right now. And then the skill position players from the Crimson Tide. They'll they'll be in the conversation, too. Yeah, but... In order for for Jalen Waddle to be in there, doesn't Mac Jones or Who? Bryce Young need to be there? Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones. Who? Well, Mac it depends. Jones. If they split time, you're yeah, not going to have true. one guy over the other. That's true. That's true. I think it's more likely that Najee finds his way up there, Najee Harris, because they're going to rely on him a lot at he, Alabama. He's sixth on the Heisman list this week, and mm-hmm. Alabama hasn't played. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's also something to kind of point out. All right, don't forget, uh, next Saturday, it'll be a change of time for us. We'll be on after Notre Dame as they take on Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. So that'll be an 11 o'clock start uh, for Notre Dame against Wake Forest. We'll be on after that game about, what, 3? Yeah, a little post-game style. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, Sounds good. 2.30 or 3 o'clock for uh, our Chicago's College Tailgate Show. So we'll provide Notre Dame post-game along with taking a look at week four in the college football slate. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Erica Strauske on the other side of the glass. For Adam Abdallah and Chris Bleck, I'm Jonathan Hood. Notre Dame football is next. They take on South Florida right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Don't forget to check out Bleck and Abdallah weeknights at 6 and Cap and J Hood mornings at 7 right here on ESPN 1000.